Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Friday the 19th of May. Today, I'm joined for the last time this week by Georgia Marigi, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Georgia. How are you doing today? Hi, Peter. I'm very well, thanks. And you? Yep, all good. All good over here. Um, So, which story did you pick out from today's uh, Watson's Daily? I picked out the story from the FT on BT's job cutting plans. So BT, which is the UK telecoms group, is embarking on a radical cost cutting strategy to make the business leaner. Mm -hmm. And it's announced that it's going to axe up to 42% of its workforce by the end of the decade. Now, that's as many as 55,000 roles, which is a lot of people. Yep. And it comes as BT is nearing the end of its full fibre rollout, which the company has been spending a lot of money on and employing lots of people to complete it. To give an idea of scale, it's expected that the cuts will affect 15,000 fibre engineers and 10,000 maintenance workers. But increasing digitisation and automation is also a factor in this. The chief executive, Philip Jansen, held the huge opportunity that AI offers to improve the company's efficiency, with the integration of generative AI in particular, potentially eliminating another 10,000 jobs. And I think that this is a perfect example of the uncertain future for a lot of workers at the moment that comes with the advancements in AI, and it's not just in the telecom sector. Goldman Sachs, they've estimated that Generative AI systems could kick off a productivity boom that will boost global GDP by 7% over a 10-year period. Mm -hmm. And while this is great for businesses, at the same time, it's also likely going to put 300 million workers out of a job. So that's not great news for the ordinary Joe blogs. At the same time, I think it's certainly good for law firms that have strong employment practices because they're going to be advising on the layoffs ensuring that the correct procedures are followed, the redundancy pay is paid, and all those things. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not great, um, you know, because I think the thing is with these, uh, I, I've forgotten whether I said this on the podcast or off the podcast when we were discussing this before, but, um, uh, you know, in the last few days, that the thing is, is that not all jobs are, for for people who you know are, de- are desperate for um massive improvement huge hikes in wages and more responsibility you know there are a lot of people who just want to do a job get mm. paid and go home that's and there's nothing wrong with that at all uh and uh, unfortunately it does seem that a lot of the jobs thus far um, are more that are more likely to be vulnerable to AI are the jobs that are maybe very repetitive um, and that are maybe more process driven. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's you know that's that does that is that is difficult. But there are also um, so-called white white collar jobs which may well be um, in either sort of at least under the microscope and certainly certain aspects of it. I mean, even in the legal profession, you know, that you've got all these things like, um, what's it, Lexis Plus, Harvey, mm. 
um, yeah. and various other ones um, that are supposed to potentially they will be able to um, replicate uh, the work done by paralegals, for instance. Um, but ultimately, you know, you get to the, the the whole lot has got to be signed off by human. So I don't know. I mean, there are a lot. There's a, there's going to be a lot of um, soul searching. There's going to be a lot of danger in a lot of companies and industries. Um, and I think that people have to really think hard um, with regard to their own career path as to how much of what they do can be automated and, and you know, can they use current skills and develop current skills into uh, a future career, which is AI proof or relatively AI proof. Um, so I think that um, this is the, I think that what BT uh, what BT guy is saying, you know, could up productivity, it could make, you know, it can make it leaner, etc. I think is going to be a threat that employers are going to use um, against their employees because they'll basically say things like, look, you better get more mm -hmm. product, you know, better improve your productivity or, or whatever. Otherwise, I'll just, you know, I'll just use AI. You know, and that yeah. doesn't sound very nice, but I suspect that that's probably what employers are going to do, particularly if they become more under pressure. Because for the last, I'd say, last few years, labour market has been very tight, and so it's been more of a job seekers market as opposed as, as opposed to employers market. But once this, the pendulum always swings, you know, and yeah. um, when it swings back to the employers having power, they are going to say stuff like that. I suspect. Mm. So, um, so yeah. So I'm, I, I, I don't know. I mean, certainly BT is very is a very big entity, and it's employed a lot of contractors to do this network. So, although I mean, it is a lot of the you know workforce that you know that can't can't be denied. Actually, a lot of them are apparently these contractors. So it might not be as bad as it looks. Yeah. That's true. And, you, you know, they said up to 42%. Yeah. That's the high figure. But yeah. we'll see. It depends on sort of their plans for the next few years. They've yeah. kind of been involved in some serious cost cutting already just because yeah. they've had a lot of high costs and a series of underperforming businesses. I think they yeah. have this £3 billion target and they've yeah. met £2.1 of it so far. Yeah which is good. And they've been involved in restructuring. I think they consolidated their global and enterprise divisions yeah. and created a single unit called BT Business. So they're doing all these things to try and improve their operations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the next thing is the workers and seeing how AI is also going to impact um, the next few years. Um, as long as there's sort of an element of human interaction in your role, I think that um you'll still be kind of needed in some sense but then also adapting to new skills maybe yeah. you're gonna be having um employees who need to know how to prompt ai and things yeah. like that yeah um, so yeah looking to the future we'll see absolutely absolutely so there we go um i guess well i'll talk about you know the um story that i'm picking out today um and this is about the chinese car maker called Geely, uh, which already owns um, and has turned around, no less, um, Volvo. Um, it has doubled its stake in Aston Martin. 
Um, so now it holds 17%. It is the now the third largest shareholder behind Lawrence Stroll and the Saudi Arabia's uh, public investment fund, which is the sovereign wealth fund. Now, I'm laughing uh, slightly because you f- fantastically pointed out that I put Lance Stroll um, originally in Watson's Daily because I'd be watching too much Drive <laughs> to Survive. Um, but anyway, um, look, yeah, so anyway, it looks very interesting. Obviously, Lawrence Stroll um, took the company over um, a, a, a few years ago now. Um, it was in dire straits. I mean, I think that um, Aston Martin floated in 2018. It's a great fanfare and it just did disastrously. Mm. Um, and that it ended up in you know the chief exec at the time getting booted out or sorry maybe he left uh yeah he departed in 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 some way um but the fact of the matter is aston martin still has massive debt problems it has a it has form in this regard it's been it's it's gone bust seven times in its history um and it continues to burn cash like there's no tomorrow um, the thing is, is that it's probably going to continue to burn cash because, um, as everyone knows, the transition from petrol power to um, to uh, to electrification costs money. I mean, this is why we're seeing lots of either joint ventures or companies getting together mm-hmm. to to produce electric vehicles together, pull their R&D resources, um, make maybe common platforms, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so I suspect that, you know, Geely is um, now waiting in the wings. I mean, it did try to buy um, Aston Martin before, but was pipped to the post by Lawrence Stroll. Um, so he's in, you know, he's in there, uh, the, the, you know, Geely is in there. Um, and it will be waiting in the wings, I think. I mean, it apparently it can't, so it's got a seat on the board now, um, but it won't be able to increase its stake um, above 22% until uh, August next year. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite an interesting development. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on how much um, cash Stroll's still willing to burn mm. because he he has put a lot of money into this. And I think especially with the Formula One team, mm. um, that's quite important to him because his mm. son is obviously driving for them. Um, mm. But it's looking good for them in the sense of technology because just looking, I'm a big Formula One fan, which is why I'm kind of mm. going on about this. Mm. But looking at the Constructors' Championship, they're sitting in second place this season mm. and in the seventh last year. Mm. So that shows how how good the advancements in technology have been for them mm. and in terms of like the companies itself, its growth prospect and Geely sort of being able to utilize these technologies. I think there's good potential there. Mm. If they do well at the end of the season, that could be positive for Stroll and saying, okay, let me, you know, get a get a better deal out of this if I'm going to sell the rest of yeah. my stake to Geely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. And um, I mean, what I'm going to say now is going to sound very catty. Uh, <laughs> but I sort of think that, you know, um, Lawrence, Lawrence Stroll is, is, has given his son quite a decent run mm. as a driver. He, he'll now be known 
So if he does, and you know, he's he's not getting uh, Lawrence Stroll is not getting any younger either. So you could kind of imagine the fact that he might he might quite fancy um, spending more time in the golf course mm. um, and safe in the knowledge that he's given his um, son um, a, a decent crack at getting another job as well. Should he decide to do a job? Because obviously. He probably doesn't need to to work really. Um, just doing it for a bit of a bit of a laugh. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, may, maybe may, I can see that happening. I mean, I do think that. Um, why? I mean, I actually, why? Why would you do it to yourself? You know, uh, doing this kind of thing yeah. it's a mad. It's a mad thing to do. Um, you know, it's not in his blood. I mean, he. You know, he was, no. was a to- Tommy Hill figure and. Um, was it Michael Kors handbags and stuff before this? So I would have thought that he, you know, if Geely continues to have its interest in the company and it gets a seat on the board, I suspect that, you know, come sort of August next year, when when that um, deadline comes, I really would not be surprised if um, if it just comes in with a with an offer. And, you know, yeah. it could be that it could be that. Um, uh, it comes in. It you know the, the Aston Martin doesn't do particularly well, and it can come in with a you know a a, a, a more reasonable offer for it, um, presumably as a premium to what Lawrence um, went in on. Because I don't know, I've forgotten what the price was that Lawrence bought it at, but surely to goodness, it I think will it be... was about one hundred eighty-two million. Oh right, okay, yeah. So you would have thought um, that Pounds. that. Yeah, I mean, you would have you would have thought that that would they he'd be able to sell it for more than that because when he came in, it really was in an absolute state. Whereas I'd say now, I mean, he sorted out the inventory problem that it had, um, and and you know, uh, as you say, because you're you're more of a, an F one fan than I am, yeah. um, that you know, actually, Aston Martin has gone from last season to being kind of not really anywhere really. Um, to actually doing very well this season, so maybe that kind of feel good on the track will yeah, help translate. with the um, translate into feel good for the the stock and the company. So, um, so anyway, yes, yeah, so, I mean it's interesting, but I my money would be on um, would be on Geely putting in a full offer as soon as it as soon as it can, which is summer next year, basically. Yeah, it just makes more sense, and you know they also have. An in-depth knowledge of the Chinese market, so yeah. that's really strategic for yeah. Aston Martin to grow yeah. their uh, their business there and yeah. access um, technologies and components as well. Absolutely, so, absolutely, yeah. makes a lot of sense for all involved. Everyone's a winner. Um, Literally, yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so I guess we'll just leave it there uh, for today. But um, thank you very much for this week, Georgia, um, for your thoughts. It's been very interesting indeed. Thank you very much for having me, Peter. No problem. And um, thank you very much, as always, um, for the listeners for listening to this. And uh, hope you have um, an enjoyable day, weekend, etc. Until we um, see you next. So many thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye.